Hey, welcome to episode 40 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how it's not just important what we've been saved from, but what we've been saved to. Hey, it's great to be here with you today. My name is Todd, and I'm excited as we get to talk about how Jesus said he protect us from the one who only can get our shell and not our soul. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 40 of Tangible Takeaways, and glad that you could be with us after first weekend of preaching as our senior pastor. Pretty cool. Yeah, it was a great weekend. It's really fun to be back, and just people were so kind, and just the way they received us, great conversations. It feels like home. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And it's got to be, like you said, it's a season, there's a lot of change going on. But um, as you've been kind of gearing up for it, you said you've been in the message, you've been kind of plugging into the series as it's been going along, even in in between from when you kicked it off initially to now. Uh, What have been just maybe like looking more broadly at the series before we get into this weekend? Mm -hmm. What would you say has kind of stood out just from this series or this set of passages conversation that Jesus is having with these guys? Totally. I think before, so at, at over the last year, almost and a half at Trinity, we've been preaching hit and miss through the book of John. Yeah. And I don't, I've never done that before. And it's been so rich, just so much, all these threads and themes that are going on. Yeah. I think in this part, I like preaching narratives. So Jesus went and did this and Jesus did that. I love getting into those shoes. The and, actions. Yeah, and... thinking about that. Uh, but John has a lot of teaching, and in this last part, I was really intimidated by, oh my word, there's so much, this thick, uh, last words, I love this title, What Matters Most, yeah. in the series. So I think the, the things that for me have bubbled up to the top the most, John 15, abiding, remaining, mm. You can do nothing apart from me. So I just think the Lord in the pandemic has taught me so much about reliance upon Him Mm. and dependence. That has really struck a chord with me in this uh, part. I think the unity stuff, we'll even be looking at that a little bit more this week. But there's threads within that because why I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. We live in this oneness together. We have that for you. So this idea of unity and oneness is really thick throughout 13 to 19 as well. And so, um, yeah, I think those are two of the big ones that have surfaced. Yeah. But it's just been, the Gospel of John is so great because it's so unique from the other three. The other three are obviously amazing as well. Yeah. But it just has its own unique flavor. Yeah. And it's been really fun to to taste and see. Yeah, it really does. It has its own approach that it's kind of going after. And Jesus, uh, John, I think, even has a unique relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus. If you look at the other writers, you've got... You know, Mark is almost a second-hand account as he's taking down what Peter's saying, and then you've got Luke, who's going back as the historian, and Matthew's Matthew's the only one who's like, he was actually there for it, Mm -hmm. but Matthew kind of writes with a little bit more distance to Jesus. He writes more from a Jewish perspective. He's the king kind of thing. He's fulfilling Messiah. Yeah. John's not just one of the 12, but he's one of the three within the Mm -hmm. 12, so he's got that unique relationship to Jesus. And I think you see it come through in some really powerful ways where he just has a sense that he knows what Jesus is feeling in a moment, Mm -hmm. or he has just a way of kind of describing uh, a little bit more emotionally Jesus. And he also remembers in great detail some of the 
conversations that maybe some of the other guys, they couldn't get through the secondhand account or even Matthew doesn't remember as clearly. John's got it really dialed in, just some of these. And I mean, this shows it. This is like chapter after chapter after chapter of Jesus just talking. You know, if pastors ever feel bad about talking too long, Jesus, he (laughs) talks for chapters and chapters and chapters and chapters. and And you think about that too, and what John's kind of recording there's no other gospel writer that gives so much commentary. Mm. Like, didn't you appreciate the very beginning of 13? And he knew that all things yeah. know, were under his command and leadership and had been given this by the Father. And in light of that, he knelt down and became and, a servant. And washed our feet. So yeah. it's just kind of like that commentary. You know, we we ascribe John 3.16 sometimes, almost, probably always. To Jesus. Well, Jesus said that. Yeah. Like, mm, John, that's John's commentary. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's a great addition, a great compliment yeah. to the other Gospels, and just is really fun to preach through. Yeah, and your message this weekend, I felt like it had two kind of, um, we were talking right before this, I felt like it had kind of two big pillars in it that almost stood out to me. The first was kind of dealing with this idea of protection, which I thought um, was so was such a great uh, angle or thing to camp on. I mean, there's a lot that you were going through. Like, there's tons you could have chosen to camp on. But to really think through, Jesus, this is God who's praying. It's not just like a good guy. It's not Paul praying. Uh, it's not like a cool Christian person. This is this is God himself praying to the Father and praying for the protection of all of these guys who he knows full well the majority of them are going to die. They're all going to experience suffering. Yeah. And it seems like man, how could Jesus's prayer not work? How could Jesus's prayer not be effective? If Jesus can't pray effective (laughs) prayers, who can? Nobody's got a shot. Nobody's got a shot. (laughs) And so you feel this kind of sense of like devastation. So I I think, how do we, how do we see that? You gave us a great way to kind of see that protection in a new light, but how do we tap into seeing God, that protection that Jesus is praying when we feel pain? Because when we feel pain, all we can think is like, God, you failed me. But how can we look for the, it's a different kind of protection that Jesus is talking about. How do we tap into that when we're in pain? Yeah. Well, let me say it this way first. Um, You know, you have these classes in college and seminary that just stick out. You had a school experience, and the first thing that comes to mind is this one particular class, maybe even a class session. Yeah. so powerful. But I took this, excuse me, this week-long class on the theology of suffering. Hmm. And for sure, out of my seminary experience, top one, top two classes, and it was a week long, so it was really intense. And wouldn't it just be just right, the professor who was supposed to teach it wrenched his back on Friday and was hospitalized. Wow. And it's like, I'm too hurt to teach the theology of suffering class. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We've been talking about it, but now I'm living it. The irony is so profound. So another professor, one of my favorites, jumped in last second. Yeah. And man, we walked through that, but it was so impressive. We had to do reading three or four books before the class ever started. What I was so, um, I think, just impressed by was, and one of them was one of the guys I quoted this week, D.A. Carson, writes this great book on a theology of suffering. And and every author I read, these four books, every one of them had the authenticity and honesty to admit, I'm writing a book on this subject, but when suffering crossed my path, crossed mm. my family's path, I forgot everything I knew. It's different when it's not hypothetical. Yeah, man, it is 
definitely one of those things easier to talk about, so much more difficult to live. Mm. And if these guys who literally write books on the topic say they didn't remember anything when their wife had cancer or when their daughter passed away or whatever. Yeah, they know then, more about suffering than we're going to forget, yeah. you know. And So it teaches you on the one hand, it's not an intellectual pursuit, right? Mm. It's not like, if I could just know enough, yeah. then I won't doubt God when I'm suffering. It's like, mm, that's not it kind of comes with the territory. Yeah, but maybe one of the things that does happen, I think to the passages like Romans 5 and James 1, what is the whole point of trials and suffering, of, of going through these difficult things, is to grow character, is to develop perseverance, mm. and is to help us. I, I believe the things that you're going through today, had God not brought you through other trials a year, two, ten ago, mm. you wouldn't be able to handle them. So it's like anything else, developing muscle. You go to lift something without all the, the practice of workouts. And I'm speaking really hypothetically. Yeah, right yeah. <laughs> I'm not at the gym not a lot. Maybe so, from experience. And uh, you can yeah. tell. So. But I'm thinking yeah. when you're working out and, and you're lifting weights, the ability to come in and then lift something in a moment is able because of all the hours in the gym. Mm. You wouldn't have been able all to otherwise. All of the otherwise. soreness and the pain experience before. Yeah. Absolutely. So we know, and those passages are so encouraging and just help me keep going in the midst of trials, Romans 5, James 1, um, that I think that that's, and, and I'll tell you this, in, in a recent season, the last two years, uh, there'll be opportunities with the HTC family to share more, but honestly, the hardest two years of my life. Um, and in that, there were times where I just thought, Lord, I don't know that there's any purpose. Hmm. I just can't see what good is going to come out of this. It just hurts. And that's all it is. Pain for pain. Right? Yeah. It's pain's sake. But I think what I learned in that process anew, I knew, again, back to these authors, You've, I've never written a book on it. Yeah. I knew this. But um, what I found to be true again was that absolutely God was working it for his purpose. Hmm. He was pulling it together to prepare me for something different. And one of the wildest things was being in conversations with the search team here at HDC and them telling me, Todd, it's because of what you've been through hmm. that we want you to come back. Yeah. So you just go, Lord, I, in the moment, couldn't have known. It just hurts. It's hard. But so that all being said, on the other side, then what is this protection then yeah. from? I really think that's what's so powerful about Jesus's prayers because he does go on to say, in a weird way, but Father, you haven't protected them all hmm. because the one who is doomed to destruction, he's lost. Yeah, He's not here. He's not, and I'm not praying for him. Yeah. I'm praying for them. And so I think he's just giving us in the context. And then later on, I'm praying that you protect them from the evil one. So what Jesus is most concerned about is not our shell. Mm. He's concerned about our soul. Yeah. And I think that's our hardest thing as human beings we can't think there's anything worse than physical death. Man, Jesus knows so much better. Don't fear him who could take your, you know, take your body. Yeah. Fear the one who can take your soul or, or judge your soul. Yeah. So um, that's where we have to get our gaze correct, is to just realize, God, what's most important to you <clears throat> is not my life on earth. Yeah. It's my soul throughout eternity. And that's what Jesus prays protection over. And what I love about that is it, it helps in some ways. I think sometimes when we go through suffering, we almost add to the suffering with a, 
um, like a spiritual suffering because we do go back to those questions that you talked about this weekend. What did I do to deserve this? Why? How did I not pray hard enough? Does God not love me? Does he not care for me the way he cares for other people? All of those questions come in. But if we come back to, okay, wait, the promise of protection isn't that I wouldn't experience pain. Mm-hmm. It isn't that I wouldn't experience any suffering in my life, but actually that suffering has great purpose mm-hmm. in my life. So I, you can bank on it. You're gonna experience suffering and pain in your life. It's not that you wouldn't, that's not, that's not the protection that God provides, but it's also that you can dwell secure even in the midst of the craziest things going on, yeah. knowing that um, your eternity is secure in him. Yeah. And I think in some ways, you can enough enough pain can drive you away you know like because you just kind of keep answering those questions with god doesn't really mm. love me god doesn't really care for me he doesn't protect me and those things can kind of chip away at that relationship and so in some ways jesus's prayer and not separate from these guys but audible for them mm. i think is intentionally knowing that they're going to face what they're, they're going to face yeah because yeah, he wants them to know like i'm i'm going to protect you um it's just not maybe going to look like the protection we we'd have our fingers crossed for mm. you know can i button up that illustration by the way with yeah. the, the lady i was sharing about and her son who you know we did their memorial service last saturday um what was so profound to me i visited their home a few times just meeting with them, praying with them, crying with them, and um, before we ever planned a service. But one of the days I walked up and uh, they weren't right there to get the door. I pushed the doorbell and there's this wreath and the only word on the wreath is grateful. Hmm. (laughs) And I just sat there and I thought, Lord, man, those are the words we think of when everything is awesome. Yeah. It's like, God, I'm so, you're so good, right? And grateful. Yeah. And I'm sitting here going, this is a house of mourning, but that's the one word. And I came in and was talking to her. And as we were sharing, she's just like, Todd, I don't have answers. I don't have it all together, but I just know that I'm grateful that God is doing something Mm. in us and he's going to use Sydney's story. And I just sat there and I thought, that's what's on your door. Yeah. It's authentic. Like, it's not like, oh, I should have taken it's not that up down. there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I forgot that was still yeah. there. Yeah. And I just thought, Lord, this is a woman who has experienced more loss than most ever will. And I just walk away Im- impressed and encouraged by her faith. Yeah. To go, I'm a wreck. I'm, I'm devastated. But. I'm not giving up on God. And I think of the context, too, of, of Jesus's conversation with these guys so far. I mean, the end of chapter 15 really sets off what he's about to pray for for them because the world's going to hate you. And then chapter 16 is, you got to testify about me with joy, even though the world's going to hate you. Mm. And so now you get to suffering. And how much more powerful is that testimony with joy when you're in the midst of suffering Suffering. because the world hates you, right? Like when you're in the midst of that suffering and then you're going to testify about how good Jesus has been to you, everybody's going to look at you and say like, how has Jesus been good to you? Like, look at what you're going through. Totally. And you know, that was actually the coolest part about Sydney's service. I didn't get to share much on on the weekend, but um, her mom and her brother both got up and shared just so powerfully among others and all i got to do at the end i you know they say the pastor for the end what's he gonna say 
I just set aside my notes and I just got up there and I said, some of you, when, when you heard of Sydney's death, the first word that came to mind was tragedy. Mm-hmm. I said, but I'm going to tell you the real tragedy here today. You've seen people at their deepest canyon and they're still trusting Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if you're here today and you haven't put your faith in him yet, they're authentic. This is real faith in a real time. This is not when they're riding high and everything's awesome. Yeah. They have demonstrated the gospel like nobody does. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to still stiff arm God now, that's the tragedy. Yeah. And it just presented this amazing mm. opportunity to just lay out the gospel, which I knew they wanted me to do. Yeah. And um, I was just like, Lord, that that was just, there's nothing else that needs to be said. Yeah. But grieving people who are clinging on to Jesus and what that means. Yeah. And, and they are learning. And still testifying to his goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're learning in this experience that the protection Jesus was praying for wasn't that he wouldn't take away a loved one. Yeah. But it's that he's going to keep holding on to them. And as their loved one had placed her faith in Christ, that they can have great confidence that she's never been better off. Yeah. Because Jesus lives in the bigger picture. And sometimes we forget that. And we take his as promises is unfulfilled when actually his promises are for bigger things than maybe we ever we could have thought. Dreamed. Yeah. So then the second pillar is like you kind of shift now to Jesus talking again about this this testifying. Mm. And you uh, you gave a great illustration just about kind of switching teams, you know, getting tagged and switching teams. And a- as you would say, like thinking even through the lens for tangible takeaways, We've been tagged, and I love that illustration of amoeba tag because we've been tagged not out of the game. That's how tag normally works. Like, okay, you're taken out. But now we've been tagged to play a new part in the game because we switch teams. And so how do we play for Jesus's team in a practical way this week? Like, how do we how do we orient our lives to play for the kingdom? Because I think we get distracted by a lot of other things. Or some of us feel like we should sit out. Like, maybe we don't feel like we're competent enough. Sure. And others of us, maybe we get distracted. So how do we, like, practically play for Jesus's team? Yeah. No, that's great. I think for me, when I process that whole idea of of being now on this team and having an active role, right? I And I would actually be letting the team down if I just sit mm, <laughs> in the middle yeah. of the field, like, hey, we can't get anywhere. And um, I love that, that line I use a lot, we've been rescued to rescue. I feel like so many times, and you're familiar with the picture, used to be on my wall, it's on my floor right yeah. now, <laughs> instead of in my between. office, but this picture called Who Cares of all these people doing life safe on this platform, on this dock, on a big rock. But there's a tempest, a storm all around them, and people drowning in the water, and they're just either... On the phone, yeah, eating dinner. Or looking right beyond them. The, the worst is the guy on the edge of the pier fishing. Yeah. Looking down into the very water, and people are drowning. And I just know for me, God did a work in my heart 20 years ago when I came to High Desert Church. Hmm. And I had lived as a, a Christian, just uh, kind of mainly worried about me. And um, I had been rescued and pretty happy with the fact that I was going to heaven and wanted to learn more about God and grow near him, which is great, but didn't really want to engage his mission that he left for us to do. And so uh, just getting here at HTC and 
having that truth week over week, Pastor Tom, talking about your oikos, talking about the incredible opportunity you have to be a person of Jesus' influence in people's lives. And so I just know for me, I just started to put it into practice. And there are some here at HCC who've been hearing that message for so long, but I I think what can happen, it can become white noise a Mm. little bit, or it can be... I'm glad people at my church are doing that. Yeah, I'm at a church. At least where, somebody's doing it. Yeah, people are coming to know the Lord. Yeah. You know, not through me, and, and not we're that... we're a missional church. I'm just not a missional person. <laughs> and so I think we can feel good, and you should. Or, yeah, at a church that is outward focused and wanting to live out the great commandment and the great commission in our world, but that's not for everybody else. Yeah. That's something for me. Yeah. So I think about being in that that new team now. And and the cool thing is, is that when we step back and we look at our own story, we know, again, this is what's so great about High Desert Church, the clarity of how the gospel often, most often is transferred, is relationally person to person through our Oikos networks, through those relational worlds. And there are those outlier stories that... 8% of people who pick up a, a Bible out of the blue or get yeah. a tract in their hand. Even those who listen to someone preaching on TV, that's still through a person. Yeah. It's not in their relational world. Um, so I would just go back to who are the people that God has supernaturally, strategically placed in your world? And we're two weeks out of Easter. So the things that Pastor Tom has taught us, looking at my list, who's on my list? praying for the people on my list, inviting them. Hey, most people go to church on Easter. Yeah, I got a great church. I'd love for you to come. I would just take that world changer attitude just with great um, sincerity and great activity yeah. and just go, Lord, what a unique time of the year that I get to engage with people in my world who might be more interested in attending and even knowing more about the risen Jesus than any other time of the year. Yeah. And this is why we get all geeked up. It changed everything. That's why we make a big deal of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I do think we miss sometimes in the feeling like we've been tagged out. We talk a lot in church about what we've been saved from, Hmm. but in some some contexts, maybe we talk a little too little about what we've been saved to because sometimes what we've been saved from can now be okay well we're just kind of saved to an abyss or i'm saved to convenience for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. but i think when you see it appropriately jesus is is continually tying repentance to the kingdom repent because the kingdom is near Mm -hmm. and the kingdom has a mission the kingdom has a purpose the kingdom has something that we're charging towards and if you can see yourself not just that jesus has saved you and now i just get to kind of do whatever I want to do with my life, but that I've actually not just been saved from my sin, but now I've been saved to a purpose. I think that actually brings this fulfillment of joy in your life. If you've been feeling like really kind of run down in your faith or just like you've been getting more and more bitter and kind of harsh to people, it's like, well, maybe it's because you're not living out the purpose that's been given to you. So if you just kind of let grace pool up with you, Mm. you're going to drown in it. You know, like it's not like it's got to flow out to other Mm. people. And it almost becomes like if it just all stops up with you, it becomes unhealthy because it's meant to flow. Yeah. Think of that, you know, haven't been to Israel yet, but knowing a little bit of that geography, the Jordan River 
or the the Sea of Galilee has a Jordan River flowing into it and flowing out. Yeah. And it's a vibrant body of water where living things thrive. That same Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. Yeah. And there's nothing that comes out. Yeah. And it is where things go to die. And it is truly dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things that we just, that vitality is something we get to experience when we get off the bench, when yeah. we engage, like you said, what we're called, not just from, but to. And Jesus even said that even in our passage, you know, he said, I sanctify myself for them. I'm living this set apart for a purpose life. Sanctify them, how? By the truth, yeah. by your word. So I feel like um, that's another way is as we're reading scripture, it's, it's with the goal of, again, not just more knowledge, but more application, more this is my walking papers today, my my orders yeah. for where I'm going. And yeah, it's so much about not just staying away from sin, but engaging in what I'm here on the planet for. Yeah. No, it's really good. Thanks for thanks for the time. I really appreciate it. And I hope it's been helpful to you. And we'd even hope that maybe this week you'd take some of those practical steps to maybe even take the first step of listing those 8 to 15 people that God's placed in your life and start praying for them. See some opportunities to invite them to something up in the future like Easter. So, uh, and as always, if it's been a helpful conversation, don't forget to like the video, maybe share it with a friend and uh, subscribe so that you'll catch future videos coming up as well. Uh, thanks again. Appreciate it. You got it, bud. We'll see you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.